0: All right, I got a question for you. And don't lie, this is the house of the Lord. Uh, Is there anyone here, uh, if you're at home, I can't see your hand, but anyone here that enjoys running, like you like it, you like to jog? Okay, all right, we got some people, all right, all right. I've always been envious of people like you, I've always been envious of, of people who actually like to run because I hate it. Um, but people who enjoy running, they make it look so good, right? Uh, they, they've just run like 18 miles. Uh, they come and uh, they're looking like a zombie that just crawled out of the crypt. But they're just thinking, man, I just had the best run. Uh, but me, when I try it, I run like a mile and I'm, I'm ready to just give up, put me in the dirt. I am done questioning my own mental health as a result. Have you seen the uh, the fun run episode of The Office? Uh, they're having this run at, at uh, Dunder Mifflin, and you know, there's a bunch of stuff that led up to the run. But they they begin this run, and Oscar, Creed, and Stanley they they start to run, but then eventually they hop into a taxi. They take that taxi to a restaurant. They enjoy a meal um, and some beverages, and then they make their way to the finish line in the taxi. Again, that's more my style. When I was in high school, we would have to run for gym class and it was the worst. Uh, one of my friends in that class, he also shared my, my hatred, my disdain for running. And when we, we, when we would find out that we had to run that day in class, we would always have the same question for the teacher, how far and no matter what the distance was, no matter how she responded, we would always respond with complaining and groaning. Um, and eventually, we, we, our, our hatred for running brought us to come up with a plan, uh, an idea. You see, everyone would always meet in the gym at the very beginning of class. A teacher would take roll call, and then we would all start to head outside to run and so we, we decided, okay, we're gonna be in the front of everyone. As we go outside, we're gonna be the first ones out the door because then that's the first part of the plan, the teacher, she waits until all the students have left so she can walk behind them, making sure all the, all the students are making their way out to run. Um, and part of our plan, it, it went around the fact that we ran, the path of running went right past all of the track and field equipment. So we got with those, the first kids, the kids who loved running. They, they lived for it. They breathed for it. We got with them and they would start to run. We had run for them for a little bit. And then once they started to pass the pole vaulting mats, we would jump behind those mats and hide. And we'd stay there. We'd hide behind those mats for the entire time. The teacher couldn't see us. And we would wait until those, that first group of kids, they, they ran by those mats again on their last lap. They're, they're finishing up. We would jump back into that group and we would act like we were with that group the whole time. Pretty shameful, right? Uh, truthfully, it probably took more effort to get out there and hide behind the mats than it would have just to simply have run the distance that we were told to. But there was just something so enticing about getting out of something that I did not want to do. Why should I have to run? I would ask myself, well, what benefit is running to me in my life? What is the point a task, an instruction that I did not want to follow. So I hid. And I won't lie, there's been a number of times in my life where I've done the same thing. I, I was asked to do something. Uh, there was something expected of me to do, things I didn't really want to do, so I, I hid. Eventually, I started to realize the damage that it was causing to my mental health and my relationships as a result, and, and here's the hard truth as Christ followers, there are things that we have been called by God to do, things that He has commanded us to do that would not only benefit us, but would benefit our relationship with Him. Commands and instructions that have a purpose to enrich our relationship with God, but if we're being honest, commands that are ultimately sometimes hard to follow. We hear those commands and we begin to ask God, okay, how far? Unwilling to stretch ourselves, unwilling to go the distance for God and follow some of his commands, we decide to hide instead. We decide to ignore the conviction. We decide to act like it just doesn't matter. But eventually we begin to feel the effects in our relationship with God and we begin to blame him when all along we've been the ones who've been resistant. The ones hiding behind the mats, unwilling to do what is asked of us. Uh, maybe it's a, a struggle to love others in your life. We, we just went through the relationship series. Maybe there was uh, one another commands or things like that. You're just like, I don't know if I'm gonna go that far. I don't know if I'm gonna go as far as being patient with people that annoy me. I don't know if I'm gonna go as far as loving my enemies or, or what about forgiving those who have, who have wronged us, those commands that we are called to follow. Sometimes it's hard to do. Or maybe there's, it's another command involving something we can sometimes hold on to, a, a command that revolves around our money. Here's something God has commanded us to do with our money. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. We are called to honor God With our tithe, just like dad mentioned during the offering tithing, it's a portion of our income, specifically 10% of each paycheck, uh, giving it to God. And that's what tithe means in Hebrew. It means 10. The very first portion of uh, the money we receive uh, before we spend any of it, we give a portion to honor God uh, for all that he has given us. That is our first fruits today. And now, this is something that can make us all uncomfortable, right? I know some of you are just <laughs> sitting in your seats feeling uncomfortable. Maybe maybe you're looking for the hiding spot. I know I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable up here on the stage talking about it. Sometimes when you mention money in church, it just brings this sense of uncomfortableness to it. but but honestly, what if we let go of our insecurities? about it. What if we learn exactly why tithing is important, not just for the church, but how it's important for our relationship with God? What exactly happens when we align our generosity with the heart of God? How does that benefit our relationship with him as well as our relationship with others? God knows that generosity, freely giving for the sake of his kingdom, he knows it will help us he knows it will make us closer to Him, but we have to have faith in Him, and we have to be open to Him. We, we don't want to hide from God, but we want to face Him and understand Him more and more in every aspect of our lives. And because here's what we know about God, right? We know that God wants what's best for us. He, he wants what's best for our emotional, mental and physical well-being. He wants what's best for our relationships, and he wants what's best for our finances. That's why he's called us to tithe. That's why he wants our generosity to come from our hearts so that it displays our unwavering faith in him and his desires for our lives. He's trying to show us how we can be the best version of ourselves, but in order to do that, we cannot hide behind the mats when things get tough or uncomfortable. When we ask God how far we have to be willing to go the distance that he calls us to go, even when it has to do with our money. In the book of Mark, Jesus, he stopped by a man. This man, he just comes and and drops at Jesus' feet. He he drops to his knees before Jesus. The, The Bible describes this man as a rich young ruler. And there on his knees before Jesus, he asks Jesus a question. Here's what the Bible says. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? (laughs) Kind of a heavy question, right? This this man, he's seeking a clear direction. He's seeking this clear path, clear instructions of what he can do to get into heaven as if it's something you eventually earn or deserve after doing a certain amount of deeds. He's asking Jesus, how far? How far exactly do I have to go in order to get into heaven? What is the exact distance? Here's how Jesus responds. You know what the commandments say. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not be a false witness, do not teach, honor your father and mother. Now, I imagine maybe in my mind, The man eventually, he gets up from his knees. Maybe he cuts Jesus off and he tells Jesus to stop. And and he says, I've done those things. I've, I've kept all of those commands since I was a boy. And he says it with pride. But what he did not understand, following God's commands isn't just done through your actions. It's done through your heart as well. And Jesus knows this man's heart. It was not in the right place. Jesus knows this man simply is is just looking for a shortcut, a quick list of things to do that would allow him to get into heaven. Here's how Jesus responds again. Jesus looked at him and loved him. You lack one thing, he said. Go and sell everything you have. Give the money to those who are poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. The man's face fell. He went away sad because he was very rich. Now, now Jesus, he's feeling sorry for this man. He feels sorry for him because he knows that his life is empty. The man is holding on to something so tight that will never be able to give him the salvation that he is seeking. Jesus is showing the man that he had clearly put all of his faith and trust in his wealth and accomplishments, that he was lacking faith in God. His tight hold on his wealth was actually pushing him away from God. Jesus, he he, he invites this man to just let it all go to be free from it. Jesus invites the man to have a real relationship with him, to follow him. But as we read, the the man, he leaves, he he walks away feeling sad. The Greek word used for sad in this text is lupeo, And that word literally means to grieve. And the man grieved because he had centered his whole identity around his wealth. The man was choosing to hide behind the mats of religion. He was not seeking a relationship with God, but simply a shortcut, a way to earn salvation. So he walks away groaning and complaining before, as the man had bowed down to Jesus, the mere closeness to Jesus made him closer to salvation than anything he could ever do. But this man, he didn't want Jesus to be his savior. He wanted Jesus to show him how he could become his own savior. The true way to eternal life, it was right in front of him. Jesus, he was right there. But instead, he chose to cling to the identity he had, cent- he had centered around his wealth. But as we strive to understand tithing and generosity more clearly from this story, we can see that God desires our heart before anything else. He desires a relationship with us for our, our, for our identity to be centered around Jesus. That's why our generosity, it should not flow from obligation or deed, but it should flow from our desire and love for Jesus. and it should flow from our hearts, and our hearts should be obedient to the heart of God. Though the man believed that he was following God's commands, his heart was not obedient to God. His obedience belonged to his wealth and his accomplishments, and Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that's what this man lacked. Something that I lacked during that time in high school was obedience. I was given instructions to follow, clear instructions, and I refused to obey. I tried to go my own way. I tried to scheme my way to the end of class, trying whatever I could to get out of what was expected of me, trying to take a shortcut. By hiding and and taking that shortcut, I was only hurting myself. By not obeying what I was told, I I was starting this downward spiral. And this downward spiral, it was fueled by my own pride. And it eventually began to affect my obedience in other classes, my obedience at home, my obedience in, in so many other things. Because when we choose to disobey, it's truthfully not about the instructions that are given to us, it's about our own pride. We think that we know what is best, so we disobey. A huge part of learning the gift of generosity is letting go of your pride. We can start being generous when we let go of our pride and obey. The young man, he had his pride rooted in his wealth and possessions. There was no way he was gonna let any of that go which led him to disobey Jesus. It led him to walk away from Jesus and grieve and sadness. Generosity, it starts with obedience. It starts with a dependence on God and acknowledgement that we believe that God's way is the very best way. And as we come to that realization and begin to take steps towards following God's way instead of our own, we begin to see all of the benefits that come from obeying his commands. We begin to see that God is asking us to obey so that our lives can be enriched by the the results, by the aftermath of following those commands. But where should our obedience to God even begin, right? And how will that obedience transform our view on tithing and generosity? A view that no longer will make us feel uncomfortable, no longer causing us to ask how far But a view that aligns our hearts with the heart of God, allowing us to reflect the character of God and model the same generosity that he so willingly shows to all of us. As we strive to make our hearts obedient to God, how far do we have to go? I believe our obedience to God, it begins with our fear of God. Now, now, when I say fear, I don't want you to think of a fear that, um, that terrifies you or, or scares you. In, in the Bible, there, there's a couple words in Hebrew that are used for fear. One, one of those words is pakad, and that means terror or dread. And that's probably the definition that maybe came to your mind at the, when I first said fear of God, to be terrified of God, to be scared of God. Well, there's another word for fear in Hebrew that's used in the Bible, and, and that word is yura. That word means an awe, respect, reverence, worship. Uh, have you ever had an awe-inspiring experience in your life? Maybe you got to see the, the, uh, the Grand Canyon And you just stood there and you just looked at its vastness and you were just blown away. Or maybe it was your first trip to the ocean. Maybe it was the birth of a child. You were just absolutely standing in awe. And this specific word for fear is used in a famous verse in the Bible found in Proverbs. Here's what that verse says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord, you're uh, standing in awe of God, having the utmost respect and reverence for God. Uh, That's the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of aligning our hearts to God and being obedient to him. It starts with standing in awe of him, recognizing his power, recognizing his might. Uh, The rich young ruler, he was full of the wrong kind of fear. The simple mention of letting go of his wealth, it filled him with terror. Uh, Had he obeyed Jesus and followed him, he would have found himself standing in awe of God. Uh, We have to decide which type of fear we are going to be full of. Uh, Will we be full of terror and dread or will we be filled with an awe-inspiring respect for God? When we choose awe, our relationship with God begins to grow. We begin to let go of whatever we had centered our identity around. We're no longer running to the mats to hide, but we begin to follow Jesus. And that fear of the Lord, that fear of God, it aids us in being obedient to his commands. Fear of God leads to an obedience to God. But But how does that fear of God affect our generosity? As we stand in awe of God, we are reminded of what he is capable of. We are reminded that he spoke this world into existence and in reverence to our almighty, all-powerful God. Uh, The thought of giving back to him for all that he has done for us, it becomes one of the most important things in our lives. And that obedience, it, it transforms our view of generosity. Obedience to God makes generosity an act of priority. And that fear, that awe of God leads to making generosity one of the highest priorities in our lives, a way that we can show God gratitude for all the goodness that he has given us. In Jesus's conversation with this this rich young ruler, he was attempting to show the man how full his life could be if he would just simply loosen his grip on his wealth and possessions, Jesus, he tells the man straight up, just let it all go. Be free from it. Find treasure that comes only from God. Uh, The man's possessions had been causing his heart to be separated from God. This is why his life, it was so empty and meaningless. Jesus is attempting to show the man the purpose that he was kneeling before, the purpose that stood right before him. He's trying to show the man that if if he were to remain close to Jesus, his life would be filled with meaning. Because Jesus, he changes everything. And as we remain close to Jesus, we begin to feel our hearts shift away from the things in life that can damage our thoughts or damage our relationships. The closeness to Jesus, it begins to produce goodness in so many different aspects of our lives, connecting our hearts to the heart of God. Here's something Jesus said in the book of John. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and abide in his love. Now that word abide that's used over and over in that scripture, it's translated from the Greek word meno. Uh, Meno, it means to remain close, to stay put, don't go anywhere, remain united. And as we abide in Jesus, as we remain close to him, our obedience to God becomes full of so much meaning. The rich young ruler should have remained on his knees before Jesus. He should have stayed put. Then he truly would have found that path to salvation, But as we bow before Jesus and stay close to him, we begin to see the fruit that he produces in our lives. Because as we abide in God and and maintain our union with Jesus, it produces love, it produces patience, it produces gentleness in everything that we do, and it fills our lives with meaning. We begin to feel the effects of obeying God's commands as we abide in him. Abiding in God, it leads to an obedience to God but how does abiding in God affect our generosity? As we remain close to him, as we are reminded that he wants what's best for us, he wants our lives to be full of joy and goodness. Abiding in him shows us clearly how obeying his commands can give our lives so much meaning. And that obedience, it transforms our view of generosity. Obedience to God makes generosity an act of purpose. Abiding in God leads us to finding so much purpose and being generous, a way that we can remain close and connected to him, allowing him to display his goodness in our lives. And now the, the rich young ruler, he had asked Jesus how far, and he did not like the answer that Jesus gave. And, and within that answer that Jesus gave, Jesus was giving this rich young ruler, this man, he was giving him an invitation He invited the man to follow him, to have a relationship with him, to let go of his false identity that was ultimately weighing him down. But instead of following Jesus, we know the man, he walks away. The man walked away that day grieving. He was filled with a sadness that shook him to his core. I'd imagine that man went home that night and and he struggled to fall asleep. I, I imagine that night he was just full of so much stress. And anxiety. And the truth is, when we choose to disobey God, when we choose to hide behind the mats, it can fill us with stress and anxiety. It can disrupt our well being. It can lead us to guilt and to shame. But as we seek to obey God more in our lives, we realize that Jesus, He's extended an invitation to us as well. And maybe you've heard this famous scripture. Uh, Of Jesus saying, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, I love the way the message translation translates that scripture. Here's what it says. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus, he has extended an invitation to us to rest and to let go of our false identities that are weighing us down with stress and anxiety. He's inviting us to follow him and find our identity in him. The Greek word used for rest in the the scripture is anapau. Anapau it means to refresh, to rejuvenate, to reinvigorate, to revitalize. And Jesus is saying there's no need to hide behind the mats of religion. There's no need to be burdened by this feeling that you have to do so much in order to receive salvation. Jesus, he's simply inviting us to follow him, to have a relationship with him, to be refreshed and rejuvenated by him. He's giving us an invitation to receive grace. He's inviting us to learn from him and to rest in God. And he's showing us that when we rest in God, it enables us to be more obedient to God because we are not weighed down by the burdens of this life. Resting in God, it leads to an obedience to God. But how does resting in God affect our generosity? As we rest in God and give our obedience to him and his commands, we don't feel weighed down by stress and burdens. Instead, we feel peace in following him. And that obedience, it transforms our view of generosity. Obedience to God makes generosity an act of peace. Resting in God, it it leads us to feeling this overwhelming sense of peace a piece that instills more faith and trust in God. When we connect, I don't know what's going on with my mic. As we connect our generosity to our obedience to God, when we learn how to fear God, abide in God, and rest in God, it changes everything. Have you noticed anything about those three words, fear, abide, and rest? Let's take a closer look. You see what the first letters spell out? That, that is how far God is asking us to go, to stand in awe of him, to know his great power, to remain close to him, to be united with Jesus, to give all of our worries to him and accept his grace. And as we go that distance for God, as we become obedient to him and his desires for our life, generosity it no longer becomes something that makes us feel uncomfortable. Generosity no longer becomes something that we try to hide from. Instead, through our obedience to God, tithing and generosity, it becomes something fueled by priority, purpose, and peace. There's no longer a feeling of obligation or deed But it's something we do from our hearts. Something we do to keep our hearts aligned with God's heart. Because here's the truth, that that grace that we received from Jesus, that grace that God gives to us, it's completely free, right? We receive that grace as a gift and it's free. It's easy to focus on that word, free, free. Because we love that word. When we get something and and it was of no cost to us, that is like the best feeling in the world. But we should definitely be thankful that God gives us grace that we can receive at no cost. But this grace that we receive, do not be mistaken. There was a cost, but we did not have to pay the cost. Jesus, he paid the cost for us. So when we groan and complain about having to honor God with our finances, when we ask how far to God, we need to remind ourselves how far God was willing to go for us. He went as far as sending his one and only son for us. Jesus, he left the richness of heaven to be born in the dirt to become poor for our benefit. Jesus, he went from the highest of highs and he ended up in the lowest of lows on our behalf. Jesus, he did not question the distance. Jesus, he did not hide, but he willingly endured the pain and the torture of the cross so that our sins would be forgiven. Jesus laid down the cost of his own life to pay the price for our freedom All because of the cost that Jesus paid, we are able to bask in the greatness of God, to stand in awe of him. All because of the cost that Jesus paid, we are no longer separated from God, but we are able to remain in him, to be unified with him. All because of the cost that Jesus paid, we will not be weighed down by the burdens of this life, but we will be rejuvenated by the grace of God all because of how far Jesus was willing to go for us. So as we accept this gift, this precious gift that we receive from Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, how far are we willing to go for him? So when it comes to tithing and generosity, there's no need to be uncomfortable. There's no need to feel pressure. There's no need to allow it to be something we hide from it. It's simply giving God what he has already earned through all that he has given us. But let's be real, it can still be scary, right? We can still have some hesitation sometimes, but that's why we start with obedience. When we begin with obedience, it makes it so much easier. And then as we begin with obedience, it kind of leads into this domino effect. It leads into trusting God more. And then as we trust God more, that that leads into a hope that only God can give us. And that hope that God gives us, it's a hope that will not be shaken. It's a hope that will not be stolen. It's a hope that we can stand firm on, but it begins with our obedience to God and our trust in God, often we are called to do things um, and, and sometimes we, we feel that tension, right? We're, we're like, man, I, I really don't know what to do. When you feel like that, go before the Father. Pray, have conversations with him, learn more about it. Um, we, have, we have a pastor here. His name is Walter. Um, Oh my gosh. He he is here because of your generosity. He, He and his family are safe here because of your generosity. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get emotional, but he, he's he's on our staff here, be, be, again, because of your generosity, because you were willing to give. But he writes the most amazing, amazing study guides each week. Maybe you've read some of them. But as we encounter things that maybe we question or encounter things that maybe make us feel uncomfortable, we need to lean into those things, learn more about it. Uh, Ask God what he really desires of us. And so as you leave today, grab one of these study guides because in this study guide, each day is a different scripture, different writings that he's written about his life, his childhood, things like that. And they all connect to generosity, Uh, how God is calling that not out of obligation or deed, but he's calling it out of us to connect our hearts with him, to align our lives with his goodness. So grab one of these study guides before you leave, and as you read it, be thankful for what God has done through the life of Walter and his family, that he has blessed us with their presence here in this church, and you are a part of that. That's what your generosity does. Um, But if you would stand with me now, for I end up preaching a whole nother sermon. I'd like to pray for you uh, before we leave. But if you've come today and you just feel overwhelmed by something in your life, maybe you're feeling the weight of burdens in your life or whatever it may be, and you would like prayer today. Excuse me, I need prayer. Um, During this last song, you can come and we will pray for you. There'll be people down here to pray for you. If you've come today and you are just sick and tired of hiding behind the mats of religion, sick and tired of trying to get a shortcut into heaven, the path is Jesus. And so if you would like to be buried in baptism today, the water is ready. If you would like to be baptized today, then just come forward during this last song and we will make sure you are able to be baptized today. But let me pray for you now, if you would bow with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we stand before you unified as a church family. All together, we are declaring that we know that your way is the best way. So as we leave this room today or whoever is listening online, we just pray that we would, we would be impacted by your call for us to be obedient to your commands. That we would not ask how far, we would simply go the distance you ask us to go and that we would go that distance not just for the benefit of our relationship with you, not just for the benefit that it gives our lives, but so that we can live out those commands in our communities, in our homes, in our work. And so that the people who are, we are surrounded by who do not know you, who don't know your goodness, don't know your love, they would see it through us, through all that we do, through our generosity, they would see your love and your goodness. Uh, we just pray that we could be a light, a beacon that would lead people out of the darkness and lead them to you. And we thank you for the gift of grace that we receive through Jesus We thank you that you have trusted us with it. And we just pray as we go that we would live out that grace in our lives. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.